Today's daf is Tet Vav in Shekalim. We are on Yud Dalid Amud Bet, where we left off yesterday. We read the Mishnah, basically. Mishnah talked about the ticket system of the Bet HaMikdash, where a person would come to bring a korban, he would go to the ticket window, get what's called a chotam, a seal. But really, these are like a kind of a purchase ticket, a receipt. So he would pay... He would get the ticket that said the kind of uh, nisachim that he needed, meaning if he was getting, uh, depending on what kind of animal he's bringing, the wine and the oil and flour that comes, the quantity is different. So he would bring that to the next window and there he would receive uh, those items <coughs> to take to the Kohen. And, the, uh, and at the end of the day, they would do a uh, calculation to make sure that there was no discrepancy between the money that came in and the amount of tickets that were issued and so on. Now the Gemara says, but he had a machloket in the Mishnah. The one machloket that we saw really in the Mishnah was between Ben Azay and Tanakama. Tanakama said that there's only four chotamot, four different categories. There's a cow, there's, uh, there is uh, ram, there is, uh, there is gidi, which could mean any kind of a, uh, any kind of a you know, goat or a sheep um, that's young. And then there's choteh. Choteh is referring to the mitzvah. Is referring to the person who's a mitzvah, and then Ben Azai said, "No, you have to have also choted dal v'chotesher. You need the rich, uh, the rich mitzvah and the poor mitzvah because they bring it. Their, their situations are different because the regular mitzvah is bringing three sacrifices, and the the poor the poor mitzvah brings only one sacrifice. So the question is going to be, so the Gemara asks, and that's what we were up to. It should say ul ben Azai dal lama. So why does the choted dal? Why does the poor um, uh, the poor mitzvah have to have a separate uh, category. What's the reason? And the, the way that the Graz text is, is mipnei shemevi lugo imo. Okay, that because he brings his log with him. What that means is that if a per, really what we could say for a, uh, for a poor person and the way that the taklin chaditin, the pirush explains, he says that, that basically according to Ben Azai, he would, uh, there's a machlo- the real machloket between the Tanakama and, the, and, and Ben Azai is like this. And I'm going to read from what the Taklin Chadetin, the commentary says. He says, The chote ashiru shehevi halogi yechidile behonot im kol korbano. Because basically when the person would come and buy the korbanot, you had a choice. You could buy, it's like when you go to the movie theater and all of a sudden a candy bar is $10. You know, when you would buy from the Bet HaMikdash, it was more expensive. Right, so the person who is the the mitzvah ashir, the guy who's rich, so he buys the nisachim, the three, uh, you know, he's going to buy for his three korbanot the oil that goes with that, plus also the extra uh, log of oil that he has to apply to his fingers and you know, in his ear and everything, the whole process that goes with the uh, with the mitzvah that he has to put the oil on his body, right? So that he'll he'll order everything from the bet hamikdash. However, uh, when it comes to the um, when it comes to the chote ashi, uh, the chote dal, the one who is poor, so that al chote dal loya mevialog ima isaron shelo, right? But he, meaning the uh, the the poor one, is not going to bring. He's not going to buy it at the bet hamikdash. V'tam efshad the tanaka masvale the kevan the chote ashir tzarich likach me'amimunah gimel esronod v'shemel lazeh tet log azai kach od log es ad eser. So the, in other words, the tanaka is saying that once you're already bringing, in other words, once the mitzvah is already getting. <clears throat> he's getting his th- three korbanot, he's getting all of that flour, he's getting other oil, he just adds one more uh, measure of oil for the or- offering. But He's getting so much. But what will happen is that since the mitzvah that's poor 
is going, he's just going to come and he's just going to take for his keves. He's just going to take the regular amount of a sheep. He's not going to take the extra oil to apply to his thumb and his ear. Why? Because he's going to bring that from home. Because he doesn't want to pay the extra money. He's already poor. So he's going to save money. He's going to bring it from home. So according to the Tanakhama, the reason why you only have a category of mitzvah, actually, you only have a rich mitzvah is because that's the one that brings 10 lugit. He's bringing 10 uh, quantities of, tw- 10 measures of uh, oil. But for the poor one, he's just going to bring a regular sheep measure, right? He's going to br- get a chotam that says sheep because he's just bringing one sheep. And the extra oil that he needs to apply to his body, he's going to bring from home so he can save money. He could go buy it at Costco. He doesn't have to go uh, pay for the Beit Mikdash prices, so to speak, right? So that's that's the reasoning that they get, and so um, and that's why he, according to the Tanakhama, there's they don't need to have a separate ticket that says for the poor mitzvah. According to Ben, as I know, the poor mitzvah we don't want to embarrass him. So just like the rich mitzvah is going to buy from there, also the poor mitzvah is going to buy from there, and therefore there has to be a ticket for the poor mitzvah, which is the three log that goes for his korban plus also one for his body. So that's an that's an odd number because that number doesn't fit anything else. The four Lugin is only for the poor mitzvah that he needs it. So therefore, there's going to have to be a separate ticket. But according to the, according to the Tanakhama, no, the poor, poor guy is going to bring that extra part from home. So therefore, he's not going to need, you don't need a ticket for four Lugin of, of oil because that type of situation doesn't happen because a poor mitzvah is going to bring from home the extra. Now it says, Abraham, and the, the language that we have is, for, for the rabbis, he brings a gedi. What that means is that, the, according to them, the, the person is just going to bring the ticket for a keves. That's what we just said, ticket for a sheep. And then he's going to add the oil from his house. So that's the difference between Benazai and the Chachamim. Whether the poor Mitzvah will buy his extra measure of oil from the Beit HaMikdash concession stand there, or whether he's going to bring it from home. Now, what is the amount of of Nisachim that goes for a female goat because we already know uh, <clears throat> we already know for a uh, for all these other categories are written explicitly in the Torah so min maditanenan from what it says already gidi mishamish nisketzon tolim uktanim zochim unekevot hada amrei niskeochel kineske gidi since it says that gidi the kid which is really referring to anything which is from the flocks right whether it's small or large whether it's male or female so that includes Rachel Rachel is the female Goat, okay? It's going to be the same. Because this is what it says when it talks about the Nisachim in Parashat Korach at the end. Well, I'm sorry, in Parashat Shalach, rather, in the end. When it talks about uh, the, um, the Nisachim, the different lib- libations of wine and oil, it says, so shall you do for the, or, for the ox or for the ram or for the ram. Um, the the sheep or the goat. Why does it say to tell you that we don't care about the age of the bull? If the bull is egel, which means a young calf, or the bull is a full grown, it doesn't make a difference. Because we see that, ben, that that a sheep requires libations and a cattle requires libations. So, in other words, you might have thought, just like the Torah prescribes a different amount of nisachim for a ram than it does for a sheep, so maybe also egel, which is a young, young cow, or really it's a young bull, right, versus a a full grown should also be different. So therefore, that's why it's telling you it doesn't matter that species always gets the same. So we don't make a differentiation between the calf 
and the uh, the calf and the uh, and the ox. Oh, and then it says, "Oh, la'il ha'echad l'amanem ar shayab b'din im matzano shechalak menisk ben shanal niske ben shnatai kach nachlog menisk shnatai niske shalosh." Because over there by the ram, there really is a distinction because the the ayil okay is is an animal that's already in its second year, right? The keves is young. The ayil is already in the second year. So the second year, uh, you might think, well, if it's in the third year, maybe it should be even more. In other words, once you see that for keves specifically, for sheep, a baby sheep has one, uh, has a, uh, uh, you know, has a lower amount of nisachim than an ayil. The grown ram has more than the young one. That's the only case where you find that in the Torah, that ayil and keves are really the same species, but the big one gets more than the small one. So you might say also that the bigger it is, the more it should get. So once we say in the first year, the, uh, the, the keves gets, uh, you know, gets uh, revitahin. So then in the, and, and then when it begets the second year, then it already gets chatziahin. Um, so then when it gets the third year, maybe we should have uh, three quarters. I don't know, it should keep going up. It doesn't do that, right? That's why it says, that's why it says, Right, so that, that's why it says uh, all ayil is the same. Once it reaches the second year, it doesn't matter if it's third year, fourth year, it's all the same. Now, all the sebakvasim, it says the sebakvasim, that um, the, the sheep is, uh, has always the same. So you might have thought that just like we have a distinction between the, the sheep and the ram, we should also make a difference between a U, a U is the English technical word for a kisba, in other words, the or kivsa, right, the small keves, the, the female, I mean the female keves, right, the kivsa is the, uh, is the, um, is the uh, female sheep, but it means a young sheep, right, so it's called in English uh, U, E-W-E, that's, kis, that's, that's what we call the kivsa in English, so we have keves ve kivsa, so you might think just like you have a distinction between sheep and ram when they're both male, we should also make a difference between the two females, the, right? You have the kivsa, or as it says here, kisba, and Rachel, right? The female, the female goat. Maybe there should also be a difference. Talmud lomar, ola sebakvasim, obayizim. That's why it says they're really the same. I'm sorry, That's why it says that they're all the same. Obayizim lamanem, because again, you might have thought that just like we distinguish between a sheep and a ram, we should also distinguish between a kid, a baby, baby goat, and a full goat. So Talmud Lomar, we compare the youngest goat to the oldest goat, just like that gets three log, it also gets three log. In other words, the only case, the bottom line is, the only situation in which we make a distinction between the, uh, the in, within a species, between uh, the, in terms of the amount of, uh, of Nisachim uh, is only Keves to Ayil. That's the only time that the Torah makes that distinction. Even though, in other words, it's somewhat misleading because all of a sudden the Torah, all the other ones, they follow species. But the, but the Torah very specifically says Ayil gets a different amount of uh, wine and oil. So that the adult, the ram, the adult sheep gets a different amount than the, uh, than the younger sheep. But all other ones, it doesn't matter. The age doesn't matter, and the uh, and the uh, gender or the you know the the male female doesn't matter either. Only only in the case of uh, a sheep and a ram do we see that distinction being played out, and that's what this bright is showing you. So, so therefore, you see that a female goat and a fe- and a male goat and a female sheep and a male sheep are all going to have the same.
in that case, right? They're, you're not going to have a distinction between a uh, the 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 goat is going to have the same um, as the uh, the female goat is going to have the same as the female sheep. It says right now. Um, now it said they would write on the uh, on the ticket the date, right? So the Gemara is assuming it means the day. In other words, they would write on the ticket the day so that somebody lost it, somebody else couldn't get it and bring it back a few days later, try to redeem it without paying, right? So the, uh, so the writing Tuesday on there is not really going to help because how do you know what that means? So it says, right? So you could just bring it back on the same day. So it says, no, because Shem Mishmar they also wrote the name of which Kohanim were running that day. So you knew that it had to be from last week because the Kohanim only had weekly shifts. So if you, you know, so that you couldn't, you couldn't falsify it. But Hagabat they go to Mishmar. But what about the fact that, fine, the guy could play a trick because he'll come back 24 weeks later when that Mishmar is on again because every 24 weeks they cycle through because there's only 24 uh, Mishmarot. So fine, he'll come back in 24 weeks. So it says, no, again, it says that, um, that, that what they would have to do is Shem Ayom, Shem Shabbat, Shem Chodesh, and they put more detail. They put the day and all so the you know the week and the month. In other words, they put the full date. So that way, that there's no way for a person to be able to uh, you know to falsify uh, and and to uh, pretend that that's really uh, that you know that it really belonged to him because they put a full date in it, like the way that we would do today. We put the month, the date, the day of the week, which mishmar it was, so nobody would be able to. Um, to to fake out and and pretend that they uh, that really was theirs. In other words, yeah, it was only gonna be good for that day. So that way, if the guy drops it, somebody else can't come and pick it up. Wait a few days till the coast is clear and bring it back and say I uh, I bought it, right? So now the Mishnah says there were two lishkotayu b'mikdash. Achad lishkat chashayir, achad lishkat kelim. There were two chambers in the bed of mikdash. One was called this the quiet lishka, the quiet one. Okay. And one was called the uh, the one of the uh, vessels. Lishkat chashayin yirechet notim tochav chashay. Vaniim bnei tovim mitbarzim mitocha chashay. Chashay means quiet, right? So it says that what they would do is people would put tzedakah in this room. They would put money, and then the poor people who were bnei tovim who came from very prominent families, so they were embarrassed about their poverty. They would come and take the money secretly, in other words, so they wouldn't be embarrassed. It was a way to provide money for the people who, you know, because people were grew up poor and they always were in poverty. It's not such an embarrassment. Everyone knows that they're poor. Okay, it's not a surprise. But a person who's really followed on hard times is embarrassed. So he could go to the, the because, so he can go to this place and take the money. Um, this other Lishkata Kelim, what they would do is anybody wanted to donate you know, nowadays we donate to Goodwill or you donate to whoever, uh, they come and they t- they'll take your pots, your pans, your furniture, anything, right? So they would give it to the Beit HaMikdash. They would put it in there, into this Lishka. And then, so every 30 days, every month, they would look inside. Anything that they could actually use around the Beit HaMikdash. I don't know, you put a vacuum cleaner in there. You know, they didn't have that back then, but the idea is whatever you put in there that they could use, they use it. Right? Everything else they would sell, which is what they do basically. If you give your, uh, you know, to any of these organizations, you give them some items. If they could use it, they'll use it. If they can't, you know, if they if they can't, you give a vacuum cleaner. You go to a 
a homeless shelter, you go to a, uh, you know, something like that, you give them uh, things that they can actually use, a vacuum cleaner, broom, they'll use it. If they can't use it, then they'll sell it and they'll take the money and they'll, um, you know, invest it in their, in whatever their project is. They'll use it for feeding uh, the people or they'll use it for whatever other things they can. Now, the Gemara says, So these two rabbis were the Gabayim of Tzedakah. Havon Yavin Rabbi Chama, Avoid Rabbi Yoshia, Dinar, and they would give to Rabbi Chama, who was the father of Rabbi Yoshua, or Rabbi here it says Yoshaya, Dinar, and he would give to other people. In other words, they did it indirectly. There were some people that they didn't want to take directly from the Gabai. You see some, you see the guy collecting Tzedakah, give to you, it's embarrassing. So he would give it to somebody else. They would give it to a third party, and that third party would go over and give it to them, so it was more dignified. Rabbi Zechariah, Rabbi Levi, the son of love, Rabbi Levi, whose name was Rabbi Zechariah, everyone was talking bad about him. Everyone thought that he was stealing, he was taking tzedakah, and he didn't really deserve it. Min did damach, after he died, but kin, they checked, he was actually distributing it to other people. But you see that he didn't want to embarrass them. So he allowed people to go around saying bad things about him because he didn't want to embarrass the people who he's actually giving the money to. That's amazing. Now, Rabbi Chinena, he would go and he would do it at night. He would go give out the money at night so nobody would see that he was distributing the money. He didn't want to embarrass the person. You go right in the middle of the candy's in the middle of the day, you give the guy, it's going to be embarrassed. You go to his house at night, nobody's around, nobody knows. Especially back then, they didn't, you know, at night it was dark, people were home. He would give out the money. One night, he was walking around giving out the tzedakah, and the chief of the demons ran into him. You don't want to run into the chief of the demons in the middle of the night. Didn't we learn, Rabbi? You're not supposed to invade the territory of your friend, meaning you're not supposed to expand, you know, uh, your gvul, your, your boundary into the boundary. Now, literally what it's talking about is, you know, they would have two fields and you would just move the stick over to make, to expand your property, you know. But it's, say, it also means don't get in my, don't encroach in my, I'm the, I'm the, sh- the shedim, they're in charge of the nighttime, you know, why are you, uh, why are you getting in the, during the night? Doesn't it say matan beseter? Doesn't it say mishle that giving a quiet gift, giving it tzedakans in quietly turns away anger? Meaning that's the uh, that will turn away the anger of Hashem because you're doing it purely l'shem mitzvah. You're not getting any honor from it. You're really doing it because you care about the person. If you want honor, then you sacrifice the dignity of the poor person to show off that you're giving the money. But if you really care about the person, then you do it quietly. You don't care about your own credit. You care about that. Right? So it says, Vahava, Mr. Femine. So all of a sudden, the king of the demons was really scared. Vahragman, come on, and he ran away. He said, you're right. It doesn't say, Ashrei noten ladal. Happy is the person who gives ladal, who gives to the poor person. It says, happy is the person, or fortunate is the person, who really thinks about the poor person and how to take care of them in a dignified way. This is talking about a person who looks at them because maskil means sechel. He uses intelligence. Right? What does he do? He looks at the mitzvah, how to do it. Rabbi Yonah, it says a kitzad, Ayah Rabbi Yonah, Oseh, what would Rabbi Yonah do? If he saw a person who had been very successful and lost his money, so now he was embarrassed, because he really, you know, he used to be a big, big shot, and now he's nobody. So Ayah Omer lo, Bini, Bishvil Shishamati, Shavlal Chayur, Shavu Kamachir, Tol, Tol, Ve'at Poreah. 
So he would say to him, you know, I heard that you have a big inheritance coming from your family member. So uh, here, take this money in an advance. I'm giving you an advance money. Pay me back when you get this uh, big thing coming. Now, and then, uh, then min hava nasiv. After the guy took the money, then he would say, it's actually a gift. Just keep it. Don't, don't worry about paying me back. Now, the point is that he didn't tell him, oh, I lied to you. He just said, oh, yeah, whenever you get that inheritance, get me back. But don't consider it a loan. I don't want you to feel pressure to pay me back. Like whenever it doesn't matter, it's a gift, you know. But just pay whenever, so that way he he got he let the guy off the hook. The guy's waiting to hear when his inheritance coming. Meanwhile, it never comes, but it's okay. Now he says, <laughs> he said, <laughs> said there were elders in our day. The big tom any any tzedakah they would receive from Rosh Hashanah to Yom Kippur, they would take it. But after that, they wouldn't take it. They said, whatever we were supposed to get for the year is given to us, because whatever is decreed between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, that's it, and we're not going to take any more tzedakah, only during a certain day. Now, Nechemiah, the person who would dig wells, he ran into a certain Jerusalemite, a Malay, and he said to him, imi I said, please give me one tarnagol. I would like to have one chicken. Please. Here's some money for meat. Go get yourself some meat. And he went and he ate that and he died because he was, I guess his, his constitution couldn't handle it because he was used to lighter thing. He wasn't used to having uh, uh, meat. He was used to having chicken. So he was too much. So he said, look at everybody come and mourn the person that Nehemiah killed. Obviously, he didn't mean to kill him. He was trying to give him better food. That's the way the Mepharshim explained here. The Mepharshim explained here that he gave him more money so he could afford better. It's like instead of just getting a chicken, I'm like a guy comes, oh, I want to go get a, a fr- uh, some cheap uh, chicken. You say, no, I'm going to send you to uh, to Kolbe. Here's a, have a Kolbe dinner on me. You know, go. That's, he gave him better, but the guy couldn't handle it. That's one interpretation. The other interpretation is the opposite, that the meat was actually cheaper than the chicken and he was giving him cheaper and he died. Either way, he felt responsible because he didn't give him what he asked for and it's important to listen to what the person's asking for. That's the idea, right? You have to listen to what they're asking for when they are requesting tzedakah. We know this famous story from Masechet Tanit. Now, this is a little bit of a different spin on it, but the same concept of Nachumish Gamzu, that he was taking a gift to his father-in-law's house. A certain like sickly person ran into him. He said, please give me some food from what you have. He said, when I, um, I'm sorry, when I, when I come back, right? So it's Chazar Vashkechemit, right? So he, uh, when he came back, finally, he saw that the guy died. Right now, in the story in Masachetanit, Right, so Sir Masachatani said, wait until I unpack my donkey, and by the time he unpacked it, the guy died. But it's a similar concept, but a little bit different, right? So then he said, He said, the eyes that saw you and didn't uh, give you, didn't care, didn't, you know, didn't give to you, they should become blind. The hands that, that didn't hand you something, should be cut off. The legs that didn't run to give to you, they should be broken, right? And uh, uh, and all these things happen to him. We, we know from the story of, uh, it's even more graphic in the story of uh, Ta'anit that he, he, was, he had boils all over his body and there were, they had to put the legs of the bed in water so the bugs wouldn't crawl up the thing. It was, it was bad. 
And then, Salik Legabei, Rabbi Akiva, Rabbi Akiva went and Amarle, Oili, Shani Oeltcha, Bekachetza, woe is to me that I have to see you in such a sorry state. Amarle, Oili, Shani Oeltcha, Bekachetza. He said, woe is to me that I don't see you like that. Now, in the, in the story in Masachet Ta'anit, it's not that way. It's like, no, it's better that you see me like this. He doesn't say, I wish I could see you like this. He says, no, it's, it would be bad if you didn't see me like this, meaning you wouldn't learn this lesson. Right? Amarle, Matamikaleleni, are you cursing me? He said, Amarle, Matamikaleleni, are you rejecting Yisrael? In other words, the, the, when, when bad things happen to a person, they have to use it to reflect and to grow. <laughs> Sometimes a comfortable life is not so good. You don't learn so much from comfort. You learn from uh, stress. Rabbi Hoshayar Rabba was the teacher of a son of a blind man. Every day he would go to eat with this person. In other words, he would tutor his son and then he would eat with the blind man. Okay? Now, Chadzman Avalei Orchin. So uh, one time the blind guy had uh, other people over. For, so he didn't invite Rabbi Hoshaya to dine with him that day. So that evening, Salik he saw him. And please don't be upset. Because I had guests today. Because I had Begin ken lo achalit imori. He said, "I didn't want you to be offended. I didn't know if these guests would be like uh, treat you with respect. They might disrespect you. They weren't like the most classy people. You know, yeah. Sometimes you have people over that they wouldn't mix with other people. You don't bring, you know, not one mix. So he said, I-, "I didn't want to invite you, right? So he said, so he said, that's why I didn't invite you. Amar said to him, Ata He said, you have, uh, you know, have, uh, have." Uh, 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 have um, uh, apologized or made up to the person who can be seen but does not see, right? D- r- so he says. Uh, so he says. Then the chamei velo mitchamiyem yekabel piuscha. The one who does not, who sees but is not seen, should accept your apology. In other words, the idea was that the uh, that he he was saying that. Um, uh, the uh, he was comparing the blind person, the reverse is Hashem. In other words, the the person who is who is seen but does not see is the blind person. The person who um, who uh, uh, who sees but is not seen is Hashem. So he says. So th- so uh, one second. What did he say? So he said. Oh, I see. No, it was the other way around. Right. It was the bl- It was that the rabbi had the guests, right, and he didn't invite the blind person to eat with him. It was not that the blind person didn't invite the rabbi to eat with him, because that wouldn't make sense. In other words, because that, that's why the blind person is blessing the rabbi. In other words, the rabbi said, I had people over, I wouldn't be able to give you uh, proper uh, respect, so therefore I didn't invite you to eat. It was that, that the rabbi always had prepared the meal for the blind person, not that he would eat with the, he would, they would eat together, but the rabbi was the one preparing it, and that's why he said to him, oh, I apologize, and the blind person said, you have made you have apologized to the one who can who can be seen but doesn't see, and may the one who cannot be seen but does see, you know, accept it, right? So then he said to him, um, he said to him, "Amarle hadaminalach." Where did you get such a beautiful phrase from? You know, that's that's very mean. You know, where did you get? Amarle Rabbi Eliezer ben Yaakov. I got from Eliezer ben Yaakov. Rabbi Eliezer ben Yaakov al chadus agino alikartei. Because one time. Uh, a, a blind person came to the city of Rabbi Elizabeth ben Yaakov, and Rabbi Elizabeth ben Yaakov had him sit next to him. Um, the Yimrun, 
So people would see that if this if this blind guy wasn't somebody really impressive, then obviously Rabbi Eliezer ben Yaakov wouldn't be sitting next to him, and then they'll give him more tzedakah. So they gave him very very nice parnasa, meaning they gave him a lot of good donations because they saw that he was sitting next to the rabbi. My lord, he said, "What's going on here?" Amrun lay Rabbi Eliezer ben Yaakov Right, so he said, uh, he said, why am I getting so many uh, donations here? He said, oh, because Rabbi Elizabeth and Yaakov made you sit next to him. He doesn't know because he's blind. He doesn't realize he's sitting next to him. Right, so then what did he say? That's what the blind person then said this exact thing. You did chesed with somebody who can be seen but doesn't see. So it said, "Den the one who sees but is not seen, yigmol chesed." He should do kindness for you. So it's a that's a very interesting phraseology there. Now, Rabbi Rabbi Hoshaya, havu one time, Rabbi Chama Bar Chanina and Rabbi Yosheh were walking among the Batei Knesset, the different synagogues of Lod. Rabbi Chama Bar Chanina and Rabbi Yosheh. Rabbi Chama Bar Chanina said, "Rabbi Yosheh, come among the Shikuavutaykan." You know how much money my my family invested in these beautiful synagogues? Okay, Amalei, come and ifashot Shikuavutaykan. No, how many uh, how many souls did your family bury here? Meaning, you you know, you sacrifice the needs of the poor to build the thing. There were no poor students of Torah that were learning that you could have supported. Instead, you built buildings. Rabbi Avun, Avad Ilen Tar This is that the Rabbi Avun made these uh, gates. This sidra, uh, Rabba, that he made the um, he made these uh, the gates of the uh, bet midra of the uh, the bet midrash gadol. It says, in other words, he made the um, uh, he made the the there was a bet midrash building and he made the nice uh, doors, gates, whatever. I told Rabbi Malagabe, Rabbi Malag came to him. He said to him, "Look at the beautiful gates that I made. Are you very impressed with the design that I did here?" Right? It's like it says in the pasuk uh, in Hosea that the Jewish people forgot to share forgot their maker and they built fancy buildings. He's like, that's what you did. You forgot your maker and you built fancy buildings. They're not poor students of Torah here that are trying to learn and they could use support and instead you built an, an inanimate building. So that's interesting about priorities and giving tzedakah to help humans rather than build buildings. Uh, it's much better. If you have bedekabayit, bedekabayit is a lower kedusha. So if there's something that you can take from the lower kedusha for the higher kedusha, you do it. But if there's something that's designated for the Mizbeach, a korban, you can't divert it to use for Bedekabayit. In other words, if somebody gave, let's say, an animal for Kochei Mizbeach, you can't now decide to use it to plow the fields of the Hekdesh or something like that. You wouldn't be able to do that. Didn't we learn that in this in this chamber of vessels, if they had vessels that they had a use for it, for Bedekabayit, they leave that and everything else they sell. And according to this, no, they should also see if there's any need for it in the bit in the Mizbeach. <laughs> That's the way the Korban Haida explains it. In other words, you're saying that the only thing they can use vessels that are donated to the beta, to the Bedekabayit for are for Bedekabayit needs. But maybe there's some Mizbeach need that you can upgrade it to Mizbeach. Why not? He said, you're right. I'm Rabbi Kini, you're right. That's correct. In other words, what it means is that, it, that anything that they have and the, the way that the Korban Haida explains it, he says that when it says that they found the need for it, it means either for the Mizbeach 
or for the bedek abayit. In other words, if there's a higher need, they also would use it. If there's a, you know, it doesn't make a difference. Now, that's the end of that. And we continue with the next verse. Yes. I don't think so. No, it's much later. We're talking about this Amoraim already speaking much later, much later, much later. Now the Mishnah says, There were 13 Shofarot. These were like the Tzedakah boxes that they had, right? The Kupot Tzedakah, whether they would put the money for the different Korbanot in. And there were like little boxes they put in. And there were 13 tables. And there were 13 different places that the Kohanim would bow down each day in the Bet HaMikdash. Um, their families would bow 14 times of Rabban Gamliel and uh, where was the extra bowing they would do by the place where they would chop the wood because they had a tradition going all the way back to their elders that that was where the Aaron was hidden somewhere under under the uh, area where they chopped the wood was where they hid the Aaron. There was a story about somebody who was working back there in the wood chopping and he noticed there was something in the ground, in the floor that was uneven and he wanted to go check out what it was. He went and said to his friend, hey, look, there's something over there disturbed. Maybe that's where the Aaron is hidden. He, he dropped dead right there. In other words, because he wasn't allowed to reveal it. So he wasn't able to reveal it. And then they concluded that must be because that's where the Aaron was hidden. Now, Tanei, we said, we learned that the, these shofarot, these things where they would drop the money, were thin on top and wide on the bottom. In other words, so you couldn't take out. You could only put in. You wouldn't be able to take out of the uh, containers. So the tricksters could not take money out. It was taught in the name of Rabbi Eliezer. Now we're going to have a bunch of opinions. What happened to the original Aaron? One opinion is Rabbi Eliezer that they actually took it to Bavel. What's the reason? Because Hashem said to Chizkiyahu, that when the Bavlim come, they're not going to leave anything here. Meaning they're not going to leave here the, uh, the Aron either, right? Um, that, uh, uh, that everything is going to come together with you. And Davar, and a thing is, it's referring to, meaning, a thing will not be left. It's saying the Dibrot will not be left. Meaning that the Aseret Dibrot, the Ten Commandments that are inside the Aaron will not be left. It says that Nebuchadnezzar, when he cleaned out the Bet HaMikdash and everything in Yerushalayim, he took all of the beloved things from the house of Hashem. What is that? What is the ultimate example of the, the beloved object in the, in the house of Hashem? Aaron, it's obviously the Aaron, so that was taken to Bavil according to this. Rabbi Shimon ben Lakish, Omer ben Komoya, Aaron ben Ignaz. No, the Aaron was hidden in its place, meaning it's hidden in Jerusalem somewhere. Hadaw dechtiv vayarichu abadim vayera or Rashi abadim. Now, the, 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 it only gives you an abbreviated version of the Pasuk here. It doesn't give you the whole thing. But when it talks about the, the Aaron situated inside the Bet HaMikdash, it says, that the, the, the staves, the poles are very long. And the, the edges of those sticks of the Aaron protruded so you could see them. But they weren't seen outside. And the end of the Pasuk is, and they are there until this day. Meaning they're there forever. So that's how they interpret it to mean that the Aaron is still there, never left. 
But there's a more basic question. It says first in the Pasuk that you could see the, the, the staves of the Aron. And then it says that they weren't seen. That it, they protruded against the parochet. So that it, it, it were like the breasts of a woman. That's what it always says. That the, the, the sticks of the Aron pushed out on the prochet. So you could see that they were there, but you couldn't actually see them physically. But the point is that because it says that the Aron is going to be there forever, that means it must have been hidden there as well and not taken to Bavel like Rabbi Eliezer said. It wasn't hidden in its very place, meaning under the Kodesh HaKodeshim, but it was actually hidden under the wood chopping area. Because there was one time a coin was a Balmum, so he could not do the regular Avodah. He could only work in the back. He was cutting up wood and he was in that particular chamber. He saw part of the ground, a part of the uh, uh, of the floor that was unusual. He said to him, "Come look at the floor here. It's strange. There's something off about it." And then they realized that that must be where the Aaron was left because that was where um, he identified that irregularity. And then he ended up dying before he was able to uh, tell anybody else what he had found out. So that's the. Uh, I guess we could stop here. We can pick up from here tomorrow.